Good morning. I come to you this morning on behalf of Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. Tell the truth. When you were a child and you heard those words, it's almost certain that things were not going particularly well for you. Because those words were usually accompanied by other words. Words like, who tracked mud through the living room? Or who left the water running in the bathroom? Or who tried giving the dog a haircut? <laughs> tell the truth. When you were told to tell the truth, it almost always meant an undesirable outcome for you when you were a child. This morning, I am going to encourage you to tell the truth, and in this case, it is going to lead to the most desirable outcome possible, the salvation of eternal souls. What truth do I want you to tell, but more importantly, what truth does Jesus want you to tell? The truth about Him, who He is, why He came to this earth, what he did for the people of this world. Now, it's not going to be easy telling that truth. At least it isn't for most people. How many of you here today find it easy to talk to other people about Jesus and what he's done? Or do you find that somewhat intimidating, even a little frightening? If you find it a little intimidating and frightening, you are not alone, I promise you. I found it quite intimidating. And I would say in the first 26 years of my life, I could probably count on one hand the number of times I actually had a conversa conversation about Jesus with someone who didn't yet know him. And the only reason I really started having those conversations on a regular basis was because I became a pastor, and that's what pastors are supposed to do. It was not the most pure of motives. Yes, I loved other people. I wanted them to know about Jesus, but I was just terrified of the thought until I became a pastor and that's what you're supposed to do, so I started doing it. And maybe that's how you feel. Maybe it's, it's intimidating or difficult to tell the truth. Well, it's always been difficult to tell the truth about Jesus. Did you know that it was, it was difficult for Jesus to tell people the truth about Jesus? I'm not saying he was scared or uh, intimidated, but there was opposition to it. You read John's gospel, and over and over again, there were people who did not want to hear what Jesus had to say about himself. There is even a point at which his own mother and brothers thought he might be out of his mind because of what he was claiming. And there was another point at which his enemies accused him of being possessed by a demon because what he was saying was so remarkable. And then, of course, after Jesus died and rose again and ascended into heaven... His followers told others about him, and you read the book of Acts, and you realize this was no easy task for them either. There in the book of Acts, you read about the arrests, and the beatings, and the beheadings, and the stonings. It was not easy for them to tell the truth about Jesus. Now, by God's grace, you and I, we don't face that kind of opposition. We're not afraid of being arrested for telling the truth about Jesus. Certainly not afraid of being beheaded for it. Not here, not now, not in this place. But that doesn't mean that our, 
our enemy, the devil, has given up opposing the good news about Jesus. He just has found, uh, I would say, almost a more sinister way to oppose the telling of the truth about Jesus. The devil has done, by the way, the name devil means liar. And the lie that the devil has told the people of our culture is that there is no truth about just about anything. But especially in the area of spirituality and religion, there is no truth. There is at best opinion. You can have your opinion about spirituality, but don't be so arrogant as to claim that you actually have the truth about religion and about God and about spirituality. The people of our culture, many of them at least, think of uh, spiritual truth like flavors of ice cream. You like vanilla and she likes chocolate and I like Rocky Road and that's all they are. They're just preferences. But Jesus disagrees. Listen again what Jesus said in John chapter 8. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus claims that there is spiritual truth. He's not sharing his opinion. He's not saying, here's what I think. You might think differently. He's saying this is the truth. Another way of putting that is, <clears throat> what Jesus says about himself corresponds with reality. It is the way things really are. And that ought to give you and me confidence when we tell others about him. If we're saying the things that Jesus said, then what we're saying is the truth. It's not our opinion. It's not just the way we feel. It is what corresponds with reality. Think of it this way. Say you're stranded on a desert island with some folks. And there's no food and after a week, you're all starving and you're kind of starting to lose hope. And you decide, I'm going to go to the other side of the island just one more time, see if I can find us something to eat. And while you're on the other side of the island, to your shock, you see a boat pulled up on the shore and some men are in it and they're shouting that they've come to rescue you. So you run back to the other side of the island to tell everyone else there's a boat here and they've come to rescue us. Now, when you say that, you're not sharing your opinion. You're not saying this is what I feel might be real. You're saying this is the truth. There really is a boat and it really is here to rescue us. And I don't imagine at that point you'd be afraid that they won't believe you or wonder what their reaction might be. You're just excited to tell them. They may not believe you. They may not come and, and, and check out if there is a boat. But what you're telling them is the truth. And brothers and sisters, that's the same Exactly the same as what Jesus is telling us. He's saying there is a truth about me and I want you to tell other people about it because they desperately need it. And to show how desperately they need to hear the truth about Jesus, listen again to what Jesus says. In John 8, he says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Those people out there, the people that the Lord has brought into your life, your friends, your co-workers, your hairdresser perhaps, your mechanic, your babysitter, they are slaves to sin, Jesus says. 
But of course, so are you and I. Listen again to what Jesus says. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Do you sin? Then you're a slave to sin, Jesus says. And <clears throat> if you think about it for just a moment, and if, if we're honest with ourselves, we'll realize that Jesus is exactly right. Because you keep saying those things that you know you ought not say. You keep doing those things that you know you ought not do. And those thoughts. You keep thinking those things that you know you ought not think, but there it is again and you're thinking it. You're a slave. You can't get away from it. But Jesus says, not anymore. Not anymore. You are no longer a slave to sin because I shed my blood on that cross and it was payment for all the sins of all the people of all the world. And that payment, that blood that I shed was accepted by my Father as payment. And that meant all of you are freed from that sin and you're freed from sin in a couple of different ways. First of all, you're free from the guilt and punishment of that sin. You no longer are guilty in God's sight. So leave that guilt behind. And secondly, you're free from sin in the sense that you don't have to keep sinning anymore. He says, I am going to empower you and my Holy Spirit's going to empower you to leave those sins behind. Never perfectly in this life. But he does empower us to do just that. He says, no longer are you a slave to sin. Instead, remember earlier you heard, him, you heard Paul, uh, Jesus say that you are sons? Sons and daughters of the king? Which means, among other things, that you have an inheritance. You have nothing less than eternal life in the paradise that Jesus is preparing. And that's the message that you have to share with all of those people around you who don't yet know the truth about Jesus. But, you might be thinking, they don't know that they're slaves to sin. Probably, but it doesn't make it any less true. And I will wager this, that they have a sense of it. They may not know how deep the problem goes, but they know about the relationships that they've ruined. They know about the, the addictions that haunt them. They know about the, the sin and guilt that plagues them. They know about the fear they have that their life may not have any meaning or that the life after this one might not be so pleasant. They have that fear and that guilt. They know something is wrong between them and their creator. They may not know the depth of it, but they know there's something wrong. But what if they don't believe me? What if they don't want to listen to what I have to tell them? They may not. It doesn't make it any less true. It doesn't make it any less important for us to tell them that truth. About a year ago, my family and I were <clears throat> going through a difficult time. My 12-year-old daughter, Riley, had been experiencing excruciating headaches in the front of her head. It had been going on all through the summer, kept getting worse and worse. And they thought maybe it was migraines. They weren't sure. By the fall, by this time of last year, she was missing two days a week from school. 
because she would wake up with these headaches and nausea. We finally took her back to her neurologist on November 2nd. The neurologist heard what we had to say and said, I want you to go straight to the hospital and get an MRI, which we did. The neurologist called us after looking at the results and said, I have some bad news, Riley has a brain tumor. I want you to go straight to Children's Hospital to the emergency room. They'll be waiting for you, I'll call ahead. There at the hospital meeting with the surgeon, they showed us the pictures of the seven centimeter tumor that was in the back of her head and that was pushing her brain forward and causing these headaches up in front. The surgeon said, we need to do surgery, we want to do it tomorrow. That news was, of course, devastating to my wife and me. And I'm quite certain that neurologist did not want to tell us that news. But it happened to be the truth. And had that truth not been told us, and had they not removed that tumor, my daughter, Riley, would not be back to nearly 100% today. Those people the Lord has brought into your life who do not know the truth about Jesus are going to die in their sins unless they hear the truth about him, just as my daughter would have died if she hadn't heard the truth about her tumor. As you share that truth with those people the Lord has brought into your life, keep in mind that the news you have for them is good news. Yes, it's true that they were born slaves to sin, but keep in mind the real message is that they've been freed from that sin too. Jesus paid for their sins just as much as he paid for yours and mine. And now at this point of the sermon, if I was sitting where you are, I would probably be thinking, okay, sure, Pastor, we, I understand we need to get this news out, but how do we do that? I've always wondered, how do I go about doing that? And we can't answer that, unfortunately. We don't have enough time this morning. There's many different aspects to it. But let me just share two encouragements with you. First, I encourage you to just start doing it. Just start doing it. Whether that's telling them about Jesus or inviting them to come to church and hear about Jesus, just start doing it. As I said earlier, it was not easy for me when I started doing this. In fact, I was very intimidated by it. And there were times, many times, when I made mistakes, when I said things I wish I hadn't or I didn't say things I wish I had. There were times when people would ask me a question. I didn't know the answer to it. But do you know what I did? I, I said, that's a great question. I've never thought of that. Let me get back to you on it. And I would research it. I'd look in the Bible for the answer or I'd call a pastor friend of mine, find the answer and get back to them with it. You can do the same. Are you ever going to be put in a position where someone asks you a question you don't know the answer? Probably. It's okay. I have found that people who are not churched are impressed with a Christian who says, I don't know. Because they sometimes view Christians as know-it-alls. And when you can say, I don't know, that's a good question. Let me get back to you on that. It's actually empowering. And as you do this more and more, I think what's going to happen is what happened to me. It's going to get easier and easier and easier. I can just tell you that after 20 years of talking to people about Jesus, I really am not nervous anymore. I'm excited. And I believe that's what will happen for you. So maybe ask yourself, five years from now, how much more comfortable will I be talking about my Savior than I am today? 
I think a lot of it will have to do with how much you actually do that in the next five years. So that's my first encouragement. Just start doing it. My second encouragement is do everything you can to prepare yourself to talk about Jesus. Doing what you're doing this morning. Being in church, hearing God's word, which empowers you and informs you. Being in Bible classes where you can ask pastor those questions that maybe you don't know the answers to. Or getting a hold of resources that have answers to people's questions. Let me give you one very common question that I've been asked, especially over the last 10 years. People will say, well, how do you know the Bible was written when, when they claim it was written? Because they've seen the Discovery Channel or History Channel and heard all these claims. There are plenty of resources where you can find solid answers to that kind of a question. And that's just one. One of my favorite Bible passages is 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Here's what St. Peter encourages us. He says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Isn't that last part important? Do this with gentleness and respect. We don't live in that kind of a world. Are you about tired of watching the news channels yet? With the arguments and the barking back and forth. No one's listening. No one's respectful. No one's humble. But Peter says that's exactly what we need to be as we share the gospel. Not argumentative. Not better than thou. But patient and humble. And how could we not be those things when we realize that the message we have to share with these other people is the exact message we needed to hear because we were slaves to sin just as much as they and we needed a savior just as much as they do. How could we be anything but humble in sharing that message? So are you ready? Are you ready to get started? Are you, are you still a little afraid? Is it still a little scary? Are you still a little hesitant? I understand. But think about that person you know who does not know Jesus. Picture his face. Picture her face. And then picture the smile on their face and the joy in their eyes as they one day experience the glory of the heaven that Jesus won for them. And they're there all because you told them the truth. Amen.